Hello, welcome to the Inside Ellen Road podcast from the Yorkshire Evening Post. This is episode 71. I'm Graham Smith, Chief Football Writer at the YUP, and I'm joined as ever by young Joe Urquhart, who has been off this week on his own international break, spent uh, in the international uh, venue of Yorkshire. Morley. Uh, Morley. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, it's actually been an okay international break thus far. It feels like some things have happened and some things have been said and it hasn't been a complete and utter void of uh, news and information that an international break can often be um, big news coming out obviously from the Northern Ireland camp uh, that Stuart Dallas cannot for the life of him find a Chinese takeaway that rivals those in his hometown of Cookstown in Northern Ireland and this is he's not the first Northern Ireland player to say this Northern Ireland players based on the on uh, I nearly said the mainland there, which would have been um, taken quite badly uh, in England, based in England, often say that they can't find a Chinese takeaway that that is as good as the ones back home. There's some, whether it's a mistaken belief or not, but there is there is a, a belief, Joe, that takeaways Chinese takeaways in Northern Ireland are better than the Chinese takeaways in England. What what do you reckon? Um, it's like the old age thing, isn't it? Of the more you reflect on something in the past, the better it was. He's only 28. Yeah, so. I don't care. He's clearly not looking hard enough, is he? <laughs> it sounds like he's given it. He's definitely not been to Silver Vars in Chapalin or G Wu, for that matter. We They're owned by the same people. I'd better get some sponsorship from them for that plug. All the Chinese takeaways are available. <laughs> We're not the BBC. <laughs> um, yeah, so that, I mean, that that's a classic uh, international break tale that we might have put on the back page. Had it's it is a had weird it, gripe, isn't had it? Had it not been for. Uh, yeah, but if that's the. If that, if is that the, is the only gripe. If that's the biggest of his concerns in Yorkshire, then he has truly found a home from home. Um, I would venture that Leeds overall is better than Cookstown. Uh, no offence at all to, to Cookstown, and I, I, I don't want to be contacted by the, ma- not, the mayor I'm, of Cookstown yeah. or the, the Cookstown Express or whatever the local paper is. But You're going to be on the back page of Cookstown <laughs> Express. But I feel like, I feel like Leeds has a, a wee bit more going for it. Um, uh, having not been to Cookstown, I, I can't. Say the same. Yeah. Uh, so it's international break. Bielsa has prioritised rest and recovery, um, which must be quite difficult for a man who likes his players to be on the move constantly. Uh, he's given them some time off because he recognises that there are 10 games in a short space of time after this international break, 10 games between nine and January, uh, or nine games rather between now and January and one on January the 1st um, it's a, a hectic old slog between now and Christmas there is no Christmas break that other countries give their footballers um, and so Bielsa has given them a week off um, uh, in in quite a magnanimous, magnanimous gesture similar to the one that, that I, I gave you allowing, <laughs> allowing you to have this week off um, um, are we just going to move past the fact that you're off next week? <laughs> Listen, you've got to get your holidays in before the end of the year or you'll lose them. So um, so I, I see that a few have gone to Dubai this week. From yeah, the... well, that's why I said I went to Morley because I went to see Talking Shot. But then like opening Instagram and seeing Jack Harrison and Ben White in Dubai, I did feel a little bit like, why have I not gone anywhere? You've got the short Also, the short I'm not a footballer, so I can't get into um, Dubai. I think that's the rule, isn't it? And also, we are quite often represented on the international stage by uh, Lee the Traveller Sobot, <laughs> who once again 
is uh, is leaving these shores for. Um, Where's he gone this weekend? Uh, he's off to Poland. Is he? Yeah. Oh, was he off to see Matthias Klick? No, he's not. Oh. Um, I, I did. I did That's want to suggest that he could maybe <laughs> churn out some copy uh, from Click's international appearance this weekend, but I'm I can't recall if uh, Poland are at home or away in their first game this weekend. Um, Leeds will have players in international action. Dallas, of course, being one of them in Northern Ireland. Um, it's a pivotal weekend, really, uh, for Northern Ireland. They're attempting to qualify, more likely a playoff place. Gianni Alioski is not, uh, as was first suspected, part of the North Macedonia squad. He was called up but had to withdraw with this side injury. That has kept him out of action. Um, it hasn't kept him from leaping off furniture onto uh, large piles of cushions, um, but obviously the you know specific movements for football are um, problematic, and so his recovery has meant that he's not able to take part for North Macedonia, who have already got a guaranteed playoff place, whether or not they qualify through the group. Um, Alfie McCalmont played last night in international action for North Ireland Under Twenty Ones. Um, Joe, talk me through as a fan of McCalmont and a fan of the under 23s talk me through his goal well he only ever before you even open the video you know it's just going to be a worldie because he only ever scores worldies so I just implore anyone to go and watch it because words don't do it justice is he the Northern Irish Calvin Phillips no why not I think he's a bit more attacking minded than Calvin this got serious. I know you were trying to joke there. That was a serious. <laughs> we've, done, we've done. We've done a Frank Lampard, haven't we? We've gone light-hearted, light-hearted. No, but no, but seriously. Um, uh, no, he, he's he obviously can play that role, but I, I think he's he's definitely got that in his locker. Whereas Calvin maybe doesn't score screamers as often as you like. But yeah, I think he's, he's a great player. And he's got a great, like, bright, bright future, and a, a good player. I think will be for Northern Ireland. What an example Calvin Phillips will be for someone like McCalman playing, uh, you know, not just a midfielder, but any any young player at Leeds United coming through the academy. And I wrote about this in the column this week that that, that Calvin is the the living, breathing, crunching, tackling embodiment of the pathway from the youth section to the first team. And, and, and even if the numbers that are coming through currently aren't high, there are still players who've who've been through the Thorpe Arch system who are coming through and getting a chance. And you look at Calvin as the prime example, but there are there are others as well. Shackleton is another. Um Robbie Gotts hasn't yet made that final step onto the pitch that um that will be celebrated wildly. I fully expect you to cry when <laughs> Robbie Gotts finally comes off the bench and plays for the first team. What is it now, twenty five? 25 or 26 yeah I can't remember off the top of my head um, something like that inclusions in a match day squad without actually playing um, but it's that kind of that Bielsa trust in young players that really should give youngsters at uh, Thorpe Arch real encouragement and real motivation to, to work as hard as they possibly can and try and do everything that Calvin's done in order to make themselves a uh, first team regular um, talking of the Thorpe Arch and the, the, the youth system um, it would be irresponsible of us not to discuss what happened to the 23s this week um, you, go, you go away I mean, for a, you, go, you go away I for mean, one week I, I don't go to one game and all chaos sort of all hell breaks loose what, so talk me through it what happened there 
You were late because the M1. Well, I think everyone was late because the M1. I think I think Leeds arrived uh, later than they would have liked. There was a an accident. Um, it was between Junction Twenty Three and Twenty Two or Twenty Two A, whichever it is. It was just past the Loughborough Junction. There was an accident, and the tailbacks were horrific. And so everyone was late getting there. Everyone was late getting there. Um, the Derby County boss was going to be late, and so Derby County. I think they just took it upon themselves well, to, they, yeah, to they, assume there was going to be a delay to the kickoff because they tweeted as much. They said there will be a delay to the kickoff, apparently having not actually checked with the match referee if that was okay and, and it wasn't okay because he said, you're here in enough time, Leeds are here in enough time, um, let's get this game on. He, um, he obviously wanted to get home nice and quick, so the game did kick off at 7 uh, and then not long after 7 o'clock, Derby had won the game. They were just bigger, they were stronger, they were quicker, they passed the ball better. Leeds tried to play out from the back. Now we have to say as well that this is a very young Leeds yeah. team. There was no there was no kind of returning first team players, all the first team players were not there. Um there wasn't the kind of the international class youngsters that that are away at the minute. Um there was no Jack Clark. There was Robbie Gutz, there was Leif Davis and Ryan Edmondson started the game up top but apart from that Leeds were very very inexperienced and very young uh, and it showed you know they tried to they tried to pass it out from the back and they were very quickly under pressure under the cosh and because the passing wasn't quite as accurate as you would expect it gave Derby County chances to go hunting go sniff it and, and they were scoring goals off you know bad giveaways in the Leeds defensive third of the pitch well I mean I didn't watch the game but following your updates um, and the lack of updates from the Legion Act to feed. Um, obviously, Derby are a tier one academy, aren't they? Mm. Um, they've got quite a good 23 setup and sounded like they had a, few, a fair few first teams involved. And then, obviously, you mix that in with maybe a slightly inexperienced team, still with a lot of kids learning the Bielsa way. Um, doesn't sound like a great thing, but I suppose the results are they massively important at 23's level? Last year, obviously, Leeds had a lot of success, so maybe a lot of people will look at that result and go, bloody hell, what's happened there? But it's all part of the learning and development, I think. And obviously now they've, I think it's six games, they've um, not had a winning. So maybe a little bit worrying in that regard, but I wouldn't react massively to a Tier 1 academy, spanking a Tier 2 academy. No, and it's not a huge reflection on the talent that's coming through because you know Leif Davis played in that game and, and we've seen what he you know what he did in the QPR game when he came off the bench was was frightening really for the for the uh, visiting defenders um and we know what a good talent he is and and people talk up Robbie Gotts and Edmondson is is seen as this kind of prolific goal scorer who's just not really getting a look in at the minute so there there are talented kids in there um McCarran showed one or few one or two nice touches Josh Galloway made a really nice run uh, and finished it off really nicely to thankfully spoil the clean sheet at least of Derby County and, and the end result if you're not aware was 7-1 to the Rams uh, a side that included Mason Bennett um, he came in for quite a bit of stick during the game I expect that it's nothing compared with the stick he'll come come in for um, you know in first team appearances for, for Derby County after what's gone off yeah. this season probably best um, to move on <laughs> but it wasn't it wasn't a great night for Leeds it was a great night for Louis Sibley who I think um, you talk about talent coming through 
very, very promising striker for Derby County. Um, I would expect to see him in first-team action in fairly short time. Yeah, well, like you say, the, having not watched the game, but Leeds um, handed out a, a beating of their own last time they won, which is September 16th, I think I've written down. Um, and that was the last time they actually got a victory in either the Cup or the, the league, and that was a 6-0 against Watford. So it, it can happen. And, you know, if a team's slightly off it and another team plays far above themselves, sometimes it happens, you just have to accept it. They've got a chance on Monday to bounce back. I think they're playing Barnsley at Thorpe Arch, so it'll be interesting because I imagine with the international break, it'll be a very similar bunch of players, so they've got a chance to try and correct it, I guess. Yeah, I, want, I just wonder if that game, though, given that it comes in the second week... Mm will maybe feature a few more yeah, well, players who I mean, need minutes because the likes of Barry Douglas needs minutes. Yeah, mate, you could even argue Pablo needs minutes, um, for sure, if he's even getting anywhere near yeah. being ready. Shackle, Shackleton might Shackleton. be another one who, who yeah. might. There is a long list there. Alioski, another one. But you just wonder whether, you know, the young kids that like McCalmont and other people that are away with the level, they won't be back for Monday, so be interesting. But I think you've got a potential there of having some real pros, sort of senior pros, and then like Stuart McKinstry, who's just turned 17, so good chance. <laughs> yeah. Good chance to see them. Good chance, good experience for, for the young kids as well to play with players like that. Yeah, it was quite, you know, given, given the fact that it was being streamed live on Twitter and, and the horrific traffic and the fact that it was a cold November night, um, there were quite a few Leeds fans at the game uh, who <laughs> were still singing at the end um, <laughs> which I always find a bit odd in a, in a, a junior football game as it were but um, you cannot fault their enthusiasm or indeed the sausage rolls on offer at uh, Loughborough Stadium which you'll, you yourself will be able to sample when they host oh, no not host they play against yeah Birmingham Birmingham is that are playing down there in the Premier League Cup because it's obviously still there with the group stage but yeah be interesting I can't wait for the sausage roll how much was it? Uh, I, I can't recall. Um, Did you get it for free? Well, no, I didn't, no. but I'll probably put it on expenses. Um, other news this week. Um, in an international break, when there is a void of news, a void lends itself to transfer talk and rumour and gossip. And uh, one player who's been subject of some gossip is Ben White. Uh, the centre half that we can't really stop talking about, that no one can really stop talking about. The performances he's had since playing in the Championship for the very first time this season on loan from Brighton with Leeds United have made him a uh, a transfer target, we're led to believe, um, of other Premier League clubs. Liverpool is one that has been linked with him. Um, so I did a bit of digging this week and spoke to a few people and, and I think one of, probably one of the most regular questions... I get asked by Leeds fans is can is Ben White going back in January? You know, the big concern is that Brighton would recall him and that there'd be a gaping hole in the Leeds United uh, defence. Um and he's he's become so key to the way Leeds play, you know, that he has the ball so often, he passes it so often, he runs it out really well, he he can ping it long or or you know, send a diagonal to Harrison out on the wing so well that he's just, he's just become part of the furniture very quickly. Um, so you can understand the concerns of Leeds fans. But uh, we're told by sources that the only possible way Brighton could have recalled him in January was if he hadn't played 
a um, significant percentage of Leeds United games, a set percentage, um, which hasn't yet been revealed. But he has played 100% of Leeds United's games. He's played every single minute in the Championship. He's only missed 45 minutes of action, and that was because uh, he wasn't started against Stoke City in the EFL Cup at home. Um, and they were 2-0 down at half-time, so Bielsa threw him on at the break in an attempt to try and shore up the defence and rescue the match, and it all very nearly worked. But there are only nine games left between now and January. Uh, we've had 18 already. Um, ben White is not going back to Brighton in January because that was the only recall option available to them, we're told. There wasn't uh, another inserted in the deal. The other big concern for people was that Brighton would then just simply go and sell him in January if Liverpool came in with a, you know, eye-watering bid. Um, but the EFL um, gave me some guidance on their loan regulations that say the only way that could happen if the other loan uh, loan recall clause isn't and can't be met is if the two clubs agreed to it. So Brighton would have to. I would imagine, do some kind of a deal with Leeds, make it worth their while. Um, and I just can't, for the life of me, see Leeds United agreeing to Ben White going anywhere in January. No, why Why would they? They, they wouldn't. Um, so, case closed. <laughs> I think that's... I think you pretty much summed up everything there, haven't you? I don't think... I don't see him going anywhere in January and it looks like a, a big positive for Leeds to have him for the full season. What happens next summer is far in the future and probably not want you know Leeds fans maybe don't want to think about that but yeah I think this is it can only be a positive thing and we've already talked about the fact that I think on a previous podcast that January might actually be more important for the players that they keep rather than the players that they potentially bring in and keeping him and maybe Eddie and Ketty might be the the business that maybe in the end could see help hopefully see them over the line in, in the nitty and gritty when it comes to May I'm not altogether sure he's human Ben White I suspect that he might actually be a synth um, that Brighton have somehow made a football, just, someone or like a scene from like Terminator where they just <laughs> found him on the beach he's just because he doesn't there was a moment in the last home game when he he won an aerial battle with I think it was Sam Gallagher well he, what he did was the ball was coming it was a direct ball towards Sam Gallagher Ben White was marking Sam Gallagher he muscled Gallagher to the turf, and as Gallagher hit the turf, the ball fell under Ben White's foot, and he stopped the ball dead. So he managed to win a physical confrontation and trap the ball dead at the same time. And it, just moments like that, or when he, when he plays those little stepovers or, or dummies and, and sends a, an attacker for a hot dog, that just make you think... This lad was specifically made, for tailor-made for football. There is there's some part of him, whether it's his intellect or his reading of the game or his just his his coordination, the control he has over his own limbs. He is made for football. Yeah, I think people have obviously compared him to John Stones, haven't they? I'd argue there's more potential to be better than John Stones if he keeps going with the career trajectory. I know people maybe, given that John Stones is, what, £50 million central defender, might say, you're an idiot, or they might go, well, that's obvious. They might say you're an idiot anyway. In fairness, then they won't be wrong. (laughs) I don't think 
I think there's a lot of more to come and potential. Like you say, it's seen these flashes, but it's not even flashes anymore. It's every game. That's yeah. the thing. Like at his age, what is he? Twenty one, nearly twenty two, or twenty two, twenty two now. So seeing it week in week out in the championship, it's not even a surprise. You'd be more shocked if he made a mistake. It. I think the. Mo- I think the. I know it might be sounds weird because it took that this is like six weeks into the season, but that Millwall game when they were down to ten men was the game where I thought this kid's actually really, really special because he continued to play out and I think he took on Bradshaw and someone else from the midfield and he just dribbled around them, took two players out of the game because he was well aware that Leeds were a man down and then still gave it and I was just like, Yeah, this this kid is is pretty special. He just nothing phases him. And like I say, it's the consistency of and level of performance and he's that his career is only going one way at the moment, isn't it? League two, League One, Championship, naturally probably the Premier League next yeah. year, regardless of whether it's it's here or not, which is a very depressing thought. Yeah, he uh, he was one of the players at the Q and A last week with Liam Cooper and Matthias Click. Um, I think we maybe find the one chink in Ben White's arsenal, and that would be uh, anecdotes. Uh, the telling of anecdotes because when the question was asked what's the craziest thing you've seen on a football pitch um, he had a bit of time to think about it and said I don't think I have seen anything crazy on a football pitch now that's either because he's so unflappable nothing has ever phased him in a football game ever um, or that he's just not he's just not as good a storyteller as he is a footballer you know he said like maybe he was built Maybe it's like one of those things where when he's on the ball, he's got like Beethoven playing in his head. <laughs> and like, you know, like there's fire going on around him, but he's just like gliding across the top. And when there's no football, then <laughs> he's, yeah. Um, thankfully, we did have Click present uh, who was able to. Who, take... who causes a lot of fire on the pitch, that's <laughs> fair to say. He addressed that actually. He talked about, about being uh, irritating on the football pitch. But he, in his defence, he said he wasn't as irritating as his teammate. Uh, Johnny Alioski. I can see um, that. Which is a fair enough point. But Click, when asked what I'm the not pre- sure that's, sorry to interrupt you, but I'm not sure that's like how you should be gazing, gazing on that. It's like, <laughs> I am pretty mental, but have you seen Johnny? I'm less, like, I'm not less sure mental that's... than Johnny. Um, right, I think 99.9% of the population are less mental than Johnny. Yeah. Um, Bless him. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about what he called Johnny in a minute, but he, but Click, quite brilliantly, said that the craziest thing he'd seen in a football pitch he began the question with last season against Aston Villa and of course the room erupts in laughter thinking he's going to talk about scoring a goal with a Villa player down injured and and, and the hell that that caused but what he was actually referring to was Pontus trying to stop Villa from <laughs> scoring the goal that Bielsa ordered uh, when, when Bielsa told Leeds to let Villa walk walk one in Pontus didn't get the memo or got the memo and shredded it. He absolutely got the memo. <laughs> he absolutely got the memo. I'm not even fully do you convinced. Ever, do you ever wonder what would have happened had he connected with the ball with that swipe and if he'd booted it into the stand and not let Villa score? Bielsa would have run on with a grenade. <laughs> Biel- Bielsa might have had to sub him in order to let Villa score a goal. I, I, yeah, I mean... To be honest, that whole afternoon was just mental. Like, that's probably the craziest thing I've ever seen in the flesh. But I'm still not fully convinced Janssen was ever going to kick it out. I think he just wanted to be seen to not be wanting to let the goal there, in. There was an element of, watching from afar, there was seemed to be an element of Pontus of wanting to be seen. Oh, yeah. Oh. To, to be doing things or to... 
wasn't yeah. it, didn't he sit down by the advertising hoardings at, at, yeah at, that at, was after the playoff defeat to Derby yeah he went out of his way to walk across the Ellen Road pitch plonked himself next to the advertising hoardings and conveniently got himself pictured uh, so <laughs> you're a cynical young man Joe for, for one so young you're you've a cynical mind um <laughs> But yeah, I think you're probably... You're well, probably... there's just... There was a lot of... I, I, Pontus was a great defender. There was just a lot that came with it. And I think a lot of Leeds fans now recognise with Ben White, you can have a great defender and not have that. Yeah. There's a lot of time for Pontus in that he was sort of a shining light in a very dark time for the club off the pitch. And there'll always be an affection, I'm sure, from supporters to, to Pontus, but maybe it got to the point where that sort of spark had ended if that makes sense and it was sort of time for that to part I'm not saying that the way he left the club was the right way but maybe it was you know you don't need all the antics going on enough and I think I don't think it's far-fetched to say that him and Bielsa didn't maybe see eye to eye well well he went on a Swedish podcast didn't he and and talked about murder ball something else we've written about this week uh, the um the hell for leather um organized chaos 11 v 11 non-stop game they do on a Wednesday at Thor Barts that all the players talk about Pontus talked about it on a Swedish podcast uh, last season I think possibly while away on international duty I'm not sure well that is um, shocking and, uh, he's not done that before <laughs> and, uh, and the tone with which he spoke about it, it wasn't exactly a, a ringing endorsement of Bielsa's ways and then of course he clarified his comments on social media to say not everything I say is serious and sometimes I'm speaking ironically I'm not sure you can use that defence when you've been recorded. Yeah, saying... there didn't seem to be a lot of irony in the comments. Yeah, um, but you know what? It's okay. I mean, I suppose in a club sense, it's not okay to to disagree with your manager's um, methods. But it is okay to have an opinion that think... this is difficult for me to deal with. It's been hard for me to adapt to this. That's fine. I don't. I'd rather have an have a player who gives an opinion like Click or like Alioski who had to restart an LUTV uh, interview after a match <laughs> recently because he, he, cause he said something that um, you know couldn't be shown before <laughs> the watershed. Um, you Definitely know, couldn't have been shown before. But, but I'm, I'm, I would give me a Matthias Click any day over a player who gives you the same tired cliches and uh, answers that footballers are expected to give. Yeah, one hundred percent. Because it's just because football comes so sanitized in sort of every sense that when you know, like footballers like Pontius Janssen almost feel now that their character is sort of not welcomed in the game, and I think that's maybe why why some of his play acting and why he's hated by opposition fans and all this stuff. So yeah, I mean, one hundred percent. You you far you find it far more, and also it's far easier to write about players when they're being slightly controversial or out there. But it gives you almost an insight into their personality and that's what you want because it's long gone in the days where footballers go into the peacock after a game at Elm Road and at the pint with fans it's just not the way anymore no um, I think also click doing Spygate binoculars is still my favourite <laughs> shithouse moment of the season <laughs> but also, yeah. he also does like stuff like I think it was Bolton last year where it all kicked off oh when he tipped the water and he just Got a water bottle, sprayed someone, and chucked it down. And went, well, that just wasn't me. What you about? <laughs> but just stuff yeah. like that's brilliant. He, uh, but that's the kind of stuff you love as a fan, and you would hate as an opposition fan. But that's what you want. That's what makes 
sort of makes football more interesting. It makes honestly. it more emotional. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, Click was, was really good value in the Q&A and afterwards when he, he spoke, met with the media, um, just days, of course, before he inked a four-and-a-half-year deal. We'll come on to that in a second. But um, one of the things he said was that, you know, you know, you get to know opposition players and those who are easy to provoke and, and how you, you might have an easier afternoon if you can get inside their head and provoke them a little bit. Um, he said, sometimes it's just me being me. Um, but he did say, you know, at least I'm not as annoying as Jani and revealed that when <laughs> North Macedonia played Poland um, quite recently in a, a Euro 2020 group fixture, um, that everyone was asking him in the dressing room about what on earth was Alioski doing. And he said, well, I did warn you. Um, so he'd actually gone on his way to warn his Polish teammates, you know, don't rise to this guy because I see him every day. But he also was asked, you know, who's your best, who are your best mates on the team? And he said, it's hard to kind of say who your best friend is, but he spends a lot of time with, with Gianni Alioski. This is the Gianni Alioski that he called stupid during the, um, the Q&A. And then he went on to reveal that Gianni speaks about five languages um and and when it said well you someone said well, you you just called him stupid he said well he is stupid but not when it comes to languages um but the reason that, that he likes to spend time with Alioski is because they speak german to one another and he doesn't want to lose his german and Alioski speaks german fluently so so those two converse in german um i love detail like that i love information like that give give me information like that any any day over you know i think we're i think we're going to kick on you know, people who say I think we're going to kick on can stop talking so that Matthias Kirk can tell us more about languages that he speaks with, with different teammates and that he appreciates. You can say something about someone else in German to Jani and no one else will understand it. Um, what are the five languages? Did he list them? No. Um, I think he speaks Spanish because I think he used to spend a lot of time with Samu Saiz. Right. Samu didn't really speak a lot of English. Um, and obviously before... Marcelo arrived with his horde of Spanish coaches. Um, I think there was a maybe a lack of Spanish speaking people at mm. the club. And now you can't move for Spaniard speakers. Um, barring like Pablo and Spanish speakers. Yeah. Yeah. You can't move without saying hola. So it's yeah, or bueno. Um, bueno. Yeah, just like fantastic. What a fantastic gift to be able to speak that many languages. Oh, Fair play. I'd uh, love to. Like, so go back to sort of like Leedling, but James Milner didn't he speaks Spanish to his kids and mm. that's so they've grown up bilingual haven't they yeah. I'd love to have that attitude in life unfortunately <laughs> I don't I'd love to have unfortunately I, I don't what a depressing statement I would. Lo- <laughs> I thought you were going to say I'd love to have that gift or, or, but, but you went with I'd love to have that attitude and attitude is a, entirely a choice <laughs> Um, uh, so we mentioned there's somebody going away on international break and um, and doing interviews Elan Meslier someone we don't know a great deal about because he's not played for Leeds first team this season because Kiko has been ever present Kiko Casilla um, but Meslier has, has come in on loan from FC Lorient uh, in France he's the French under 21 goalkeeper uh, very young but has some experience as a as a first team goalkeeper he gave an interview to uh, the French version of Goal, uh, in which he discussed uh, Bielsa and Leeds, and also got on to the subject of Kiko Casilla, and probably said a little bit more than you would anticipate uh, a player saying when it comes to the the FA charge that Kiko is facing, a charge of uh, racist language uh, allegedly used during the game against Charlton towards Jonathan Lico and um, 
to be fair, everything that Mesley I said was completely fine. It was all common sense. It was maybe just the fact that he was willing to answer the question that will have raised a few eyebrows. Um, but speaks very well for a youngster, and and definitely stayed away from you know any kind of controversy. Um, all he said really, and I quite like this, was that he's ready to play if Leeds need him in the in the you know in the possibility that Casilla is suspended. Yeah, maybe it's a translation thing. I just see like saying I'm ready to seize the opportunity. Well, he, he didn't he didn't say seize the opportunity. He just said you have to know how to take these opportunities. Yeah. Sometimes they come through injury think, or suspension or something more unusual. Like but I this. think the point is that he's he's happy and confident in his own ability to say, look, if 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 there is a ban or if um, Casilla breaks his leg next week or whatever, I'm ready to step in, and that's the attitude you want from anyone. We've said it before, like when Enketia went away with England, a lot more people would be more upset at him saying I'm happy on the bench than him saying I'm not happy on the bench. Absolutely. So it's it's the attitude that anyone in the game needs to have and must have to succeed. So I have no issue in him saying that. Whether he gets the chance or not will remains to be seen. But he's yeah. he's done okay in the the twenty threes. He's a very good with his um with his feet. You know, he's he's very confident playing out from the edge of his area. So I don't see him having a problem in stepping in but whether Leeds would go down a different route or not um, if Casilla was to get banned I'm not, I'm not sure but uh, he looks like a good talent and prospect but you just wonder whether he needs to, to play a bit more but well, when's he going to get the chance to play this, well, is, this, is, this is the question for him and for you know Ryan Edmonton and that people say oh they, they need they need you know you need to play they're not going goalkeepers you know, are not... maybe a bit different in that them being around someone like Casilla in training and trying to feed off of his experience is a bit more beneficial to someone like Ryan Edmondson who probably has got everything he can out of being in and around training with the senior squad maybe needs to start learning about how to deal with certain situations in games and stuff like that I'm not saying Mesley doesn't need that but maybe for Mesley being with a Champions League winning goalkeeper isn't the worst no, no. Thing to be. Yeah. I, I think he even referenced that. Um, yeah. So it it can be a bit different, maybe position wise, because I think Edmondson now has scored what over twenty goals for the twenty threes. Maybe struggled in and out of the twenty threes this year as well. Maybe it's time for him to go out and get a bit of first team experience. Whereas Messier being with Casilla, maybe not the worst. Yeah. Thing in the world. Um, yeah, interesting one. I, if I was to put money on it, I would suggest. Leeds will go down another route and Leeds yeah. will look for um, an emergency loan if but it's a big if and we're, we're, we're not at that stage yet um, Kiko Casilla has been given until the 27th of November to respond to that FA charge given more time in order that Leeds can pour over the evidence and uh, process it all better because there wasn't a lot of time allowed for that in the initial um, response time that the FA expected um, and that's pretty much all you can say on the Kiko Casilla issue because speculation simply uh, isn't helpful and hasn't, I don't think, been particularly helpful on social media. It's only natural that people will talk and people will ask questions and people will wonder. Um, but some of the things you see posted on Twitter about this particular case, um, just without the evidence yet being known. And of course, the FA published written reasons after hearings eventually. So the facts will become known or, or the facts as they are told by the participants will be will become known eventually and speculating at this stage doesn't really do anyone any good um, back to click uh, briefly the length of his contract did it 
did your eyebrows go up a little bit? Um, yeah, a little bit, but uh, maybe contracts don't mean as much. Length of them anyway don't mean as much as as they used to in terms of like he's gonna definitely be here for four and a half years. Um, again, smacked a little bit of what the club have done this summer with Ailing Cooper and, and Dallas and maybe protecting um, players that potentially can can be here if they're in the championship in the future or they're sort of protecting their own assets for a sale in the future you know it's it's difficult but I don't you know he's, he's rewarded with a contract for what is it nearly 80 games under Marcelo it's been very consistent in that period maybe not this year producing as much as people want in terms of goals and assists but certainly had a, had a big part in, in the run of form in recent months so I think it's, it's only like, what a turnaround as well from where he was when he left the club to go out on loan um, was it nearly two years ago now to, to where he is now I don't think many people predicted that that turnaround was probably one of the more recent success stories at the football club and all credit to him because when Bielsa arrived he was obviously when he chopped the squad into three he was in the middle group and only because of Adam Forshaw's injury essentially did he get a chance in pre-season and then Marcelo apologised for playing him not in the right position so yeah, what a turnaround and what a player he's been for, for the club in the last two years. And he's still creating chances, you know, I think he's second or third, but he's definitely in the top five for key passes. You know, that last pass before a shot is taken on. Um, so it's perhaps more because Leeds have been somewhat wasteful in front of goal this season. That's maybe more the reason why he doesn't have the assists that, that he maybe could have. Um, as for goals, you know, last season, he says it himself, was that the, the season of his life, everything went in. This season it hasn't been like that, but he's he says he's trying. He believes he's he's producing the same kind of performances just without the goals. Um, he also believes that the song, um, that that is sung about him, uh, he says that ever since they started singing, I stopped scoring, so stop stop chanting. Um, that's not going to happen. It's a uh, it, it's, it's a, a great tune. It's a, it's an excellent <laughs> football. We should do a podcast at some stage on the songs. The songs of Ellen Road and and pick out our favourites and and maybe our, our least favourites. Uh, yeah, one. that definitely would cause a lot of arguments. Yeah, well, I'm all for favourites and not favourites. I'm all for arguments, so uh, we'll, we'll do we'll do that at some stage. <laughs> Bring it on. Um, maybe for another international break. Maybe another man getting a contract. I say man. He's he's still more on the side of boy than man. Um, Leif Davis, another one of your twenty three boys. Um, he looks like a real prospect. Yeah, yeah, and um, Victor, Victor Orton needs credit for going and getting him from Morecambe because he's not naturally come through through Leeds. There was obviously a lot of investment in a lot of different players um, to sort of get the 23s back to where they were, but Davis sort of came in along with the same time as like people like Jordan Stevens. There's obviously been a few hit and misses, Sam Dalby who left, but... Yeah, he looks like a real talent. He's come on in the last few games, hasn't he, and, and caused real problems. And his pace seems to just scare, scare the living daylights out of, out of defenders. And that's something that, that he can maybe utilise in the future down that left flank. It's interesting that he came on instead of Douglas, isn't it, um, against Blackburn. You don't know if there's maybe a bit of a shift in attitude there or maybe Bielsa just thought Douglas hasn't been trained as much um, maybe reading a bit too much into that but maybe he wanted to use the pace you know yeah. when when, a, when an opposition team is chasing the game at Elland Road late on spaces big spaces do develop and against QPR Davis was excellent at exploiting that 
But he's certainly one of the more consistent performers at the 20, in the 23s, and we obviously know he's done, he's training with the first team day in, day out by the video clips and what players have said. So I think a lot of players in the first team, I think Ailings work about him very glowingly, um, are expecting him to go on and achieve quite a lot in the game, whether that's here or not. But um, you know, I think it's a contract that's deserved and probably expected. I think he's got a bright future and hopefully it's here. Uh, you mentioned Victor Order there, um, who was at the the Y Scout uh, conference or, or whatever you want to call it uh, this week, um, gave a presentation, pr- pretty much the presentation I think that he used in order to get the job at Leeds United. Um, uh, he must be really good at PowerPoints. Yeah. Because he, that's how he got Eddie and Ketty here, didn't he? Yeah. Um, I'd like to. If you if you were ever <laughs> in a situation, a life and death situation, and you needed a PowerPoint, does Victor it, would be a man. Victor would be your man. Um, <laughs> yeah, he uh, he then has given an interview to an Italian outfit, I think, media outlet, um, predicting a quiet January, which can cannot come as a surprise to anyone. If you've been listening to what Victor Orta says about the mid-season transfer market. It's not one that he puts a lot of faith or stock in because and, and it is a fact in football that the, the the number of players that are available in January is minuscule compared with the number of players available. So that will of course mean the quality and the choice that you have is worse than the summer. And and I'll, because you've been here longer than me, I'll maybe let you explain this. Marcelo Bielsa isn't just going to accept any old player and put them in his team. Yeah, no, and it was a big thing that he was asked about last year, especially when it sort of came to the time where it was it became apparent that they were very keen on Dan James. But his attitude is that, or was last year certainly that, unless you're coming in at that at that sort of particular window, you need to be able to a have an, a massive effect on the first team. You need to be better than anyone they've got in the options, and b you need to be up to a fitness level that sort of means you can slot seamlessly into the first team because his argument was and still will be that if you're not up to the right fitness level to play Bielsa ball then you're going to take six seven weeks to, to sort of adjust to that after and then you're going into what mid-march say if they come in the last week of the window and by that point you're going to be coming on having a lot of sort of cameo rolls at you and you they're wanting people to have a big effect and because it's the running at that point and so I think that's that'll be the attitude again and there is obviously without I mean even if you didn't delve too much into analysing the January window you can sort of without even doing too much you can see that players prices are inflated mainly players that haven't been playing for the last six months are available and if, if you are going for a first team player then you're going to have to pay far far more than you would in the summer So and I don't think given what we keep being told about financial fair play, I just don't think Leeds United have the wiggle room in order to go out and splash a load of money. Um, what will be, I think, what will give us an interest in January, and I would quite like an interest in January, uh, rather than... Uh, well, it can't get much more interesting than last January. <laughs> no, well, no, maybe not. I don't want a January... You don't want Spygate 2.0. I don't, I don't want a, a January quite as interesting as the last one, but I would like some intrigue at least. But if, if they keep Nkedia, and, and as, we've, as I've staked my reputation on this week... Yeah, if they Ben keep White ben leaves, White. you're in trouble. <laughs> if Ben White leaves, you might not ever hear or see from me again. Uh, is that because you've been kidnapped by Leeds fans or is that because you've just decided to go to Cuba or something? No, I think I will just um, go and become a farmer 
an arable farmer um, <laughs> with no Wi-Fi until you know maybe Labour get in and, and give everyone and Wi-Fi give everyone Wi-Fi for free and they'll track have, you down. No choice. But um, <laughs> but if if they keep those two players, I don't foresee a lot of bodies coming in. I don't see. I'm, I'm not even sure I see any bodies coming in. Um, it, Clark, I think. If you were to put money on it, he'll go back to Spurs. It's, it's maybe, not working out. That's maybe one area you could argue that might end up, you know, you send a loan out, you maybe try and get a loan in, but then that kind of solves the squad match day problem, doesn't it? Mm. Because it kind of brings them back to a level playing field. Well, if you bring another loanee in, someone still has to sit. Exactly. So. And who sits? Um, ben White's not sitting. Enkedia, if you manage to hold on to him, is not sitting. And let's talk about that briefly. Enkedia... We, we believe, well, well, we know that Arsenal will have recourse to recall him if they wish, if he hasn't played enough games. There's no way he's played enough games yet. He hasn't played enough football. No, and there's, what, nine left? There's and, nine left till well, January. That's, that's, this is while he's still injured. And so. this is based on the premise that he comes back and is fit for the first game, and Marcelo Bielsa is happy to play him <laughs> in that first game. So, firstly, we don't imagine that he'll so be fully fit. In that, by that reckoning, he'll be in the 23s till March. <laughs> <laughs> that, see, if that is the case, then you could definitely see Arsenal taking him back. Orton might need to do a really, really good PowerPoint in order to convince Arsenal that he I don't think it. it's going to be Arsenal. I think it's going to be Eddie. You think, you I think, think it'll, it'll be, be his led? choice. I think if he wants to stay here, he'll stay here. Well, Marcelo said that, isn't it? It depends Arsenal, a lot on... Arsenal have got a lot of problems themselves, hmm. like with Emery and, and everything else that's going on down there. I don't think they're going to be too fussed about... He's highly rated, though. They I know, think but I think... very highly. I think they're probably thinking he's got a year under someone like Marcelo Bielsa. Um, and maybe they're thinking, well, all right, he's a he's a great player, but he should be trying. He should be taking on these battles because mm. you can't just have football spoon fed to you. I understand the calls for him, but he needs to. You can't. You're telling me that a player like that just gets to January and goes, I wanted to go somewhere because I want to play somewhere else. Surely he should be relishing the battle of trying to get in and play every week. Yeah, you would hope so. You would. That's hope the so. attitude you should. And that's the attitude that we think we we've seen from him so yeah I, I just think it'll be up to him if he wants to leave he'll leave if he wants to stay he'll stay yeah that um, sounds really simple and I think it does sound really simple um, <laughs> you decide <laughs> uh, I I think from Leeds perspective they would dearly love to hold on to him because he's a, he's, a, he's, he's not only a terrific option off the bench he is a a, a tantalising prospect if Bamford comes down with an injury and and at the the way Bamford's playing at the minute, the way he's played last couple of games, the fact that he he broke that ten game duck suggests to me that he'll still be Bielsa's man, even if Eddie's fit come the first game after the break. It's almost like the return of Tyler Roberts has completely quashed any possibility of them playing together now. Yeah, because I that, think you're right. That creativity that he provides was what they were missing, and it was almost like we'll play, we'll try them together, or people were calling for them to play together because that creativity was missing but now you've got Roberts in there you're not dropping click you're not dropping Roberts so you're yeah. not playing behind and all, and, all, and all of this is said with Forshaw still to come back in and Shackleton you know as an option if we, I think we say it probably every podcast if Leeds United get everyone fit the bench is going to look very strong indeed um, just on Roberts what Leeds were missing when teams were packing the penalty area and lining up uh just outside the the box 
and, and it was too compact and Leeds were trying to get it wide and put crosses in that would hit opposition bodies and get cleared. What Roberts did against Blackburn Rovers when he squared up a defender and then just dinked, curled that little ball in behind for the run of Ailing, that vision, that cleverness on the ball in those, those little pockets outside the area, not even a pocket of space because there wasn't a lot of room to manoeuvre there. The ability to do that could be absolutely crucial for Leeds United. Un- having a man who can unlock a tightly packed defence on the edge of the area like that um, could be massive. And uh, and he has looked very, very good since he came back in. Yeah, and I don't think there's that many players in the in that particular starting lineup that would have played that ball. Um, and that's not a knock on anyone else. I think it's just because like Click would probably recycle it and then run beyond because that's more his game. Whereas Robertson may be a bit more forward thinking. He always wants to try and be that man to, to he, unlock the defence. He tries to break lines, doesn't yeah. he? So, I mean, it was a very soft penalty, but what a ball it was. It was imperfect. If he put it anywhere else, the defender would have got there and cleared it. So, yeah. It that, that's just, he's just showing everything that what they've missed. And, and, you, and you've still got Pablo Hernandez to, to come back into the starting lineup. You know, he's been on the bench. It's like what you said, it's, it's a fantastic problem to have. And it's a problem that they never really had at any stage last year because the the loanies that they brought in, regardless of well, not not Harrison but Baker Brown Blackman, obviously very similar to to Enketia where he he got told he was going to start and then got injured, but that was a season-ending injury. So those three there never ever had a big impact on the first eleven, whereas the ones they've got in this year are sort of providing a lot of fight for places, I guess. There's competition everywhere. I mean. Um, Kiko, I think you take it as red. He's gonna he's gonna be the number one all season, um, barring catastrophe. Right back, Dallas started the season brilliantly at right back, has then because of circumstance been shifted around, played at central midfield and at left back. Um, Ailing has come in after injury and been really solid and very good going forward. Really involved in the play, wins a lot of free kicks. Clever player, good operator. Wins a lot of free kicks by falling with, over, with, shoving his ass out. <laughs> with the ailing flop. <laughs> Listen, I am yet to see an instance where there was no contact whatsoever. Some of the contact has been minimal, admittedly. No, because he draws it. <laughs> but there's contact. No, yeah, yeah, but... <laughs> I know. No, I think it's brilliant. I, I know he's, exactly. ab- he's a master at his craft. He is a master at his if craft. If you were trying to do that, you'd watch videos of Luke Ailing doing it, because yeah. he is the best person I've seen. If you were in a life and death scenario, <laughs> Again, where, where you needed... How many life and death scenarios are we in? <laughs> where you needed a free kick on the on the touchline, you'd want Luke Ailing. Yeah, and um, then you'd need Victor Orta to do the PowerPoint so, presentation. So how do you, <laughs> so, I mean, how do you even choose between those two? I, I think this is where it seems to be that, that Bielsa has like a pecking order of players that he will choose from rather than picking you know a player who's most naturally suited to a position because he want, he's tried to keep Dallas in the team mm. by uh, plugging holes with Dallas um, Dallas is like the the putty that Bielsa uses to fill gaps um, because he's, he's he's slotted right in wherever he has and, and acquit, acquitted himself very well at left back you've got three options well four if you don't if you've got Dallas you've got Alioski, who's been the, the first choice left back most of the season. Douglas, who it's not really working out for as yet. And you've got Leif Davis, who I would I would really like to see get a start, just because I think he could be electric. Um, 
But I think in such a tight championship, when games mean so much, I think he's going to go with experience more often than not. Centre half takes care of itself. White and Cooper. Even then, Berardi's played really well when he started. Yeah, he was solid. Absolutely he solid. He himself unlucky. Aylin he can, just is the third choice left. Aylin can play there. Phillips can drop back in and play there. Um, in the hole, you'll probably always have Calvin Phillips. He's nailed on his own position and, and is vital. Everywhere else... You know, there's arguments to be had. You know, Jack Harrison, I suppose, at the minute, because he's producing end product constantly, assists and goals, will keep his place. Costa is starting to look better, starting to look more dangerous and more threatening. But can he really keep Pablo out of the team? It's interesting that the last two games when Pablo's been on the bench, he's suddenly found his best two performances. Mm, bit of pressure. Whether that's because of the pressure, whether that's because he finally feels like after the... You know, what is it, four months of arriving, he's finally sort of something's clicked in his head about mm. how he plays, but he's it's, it, it, it's I also think he's a very forward attacking player. So he, like he likes to attack space. The last and two games often they've space. dominated big time. Yeah. So I think that's allowed him a bit more. Like that run, was it against Blackburn? Yeah. Where he ran it, through the defence. That is more what you want to see from Hell yeah. Costa. With an end product on the end. Yeah. Um, so Pablo is trying to get in. Um, Clark obviously can can get nowhere near it. Um, you've got Forshaw who's not in at the minute Shackleton who's not in at the minute um, Tyler Roberts and Click and then Bamford or Nketiah like there are options everywhere all over the pitch and it's a small squad they've only used 19 players this season fewest in the championship but he's, he's what he's done is he's created a machine with interchangeable parts and the machine still runs the way it should do by and large yeah, and Berardi, Dallas, people like that are crucial um, in in how the whole, like you say, it's almost like the machine, you take different cogs, but you still stick them wherever you want and it still works. And that's that's what he's created and that's what why they've been so successful in the past 18 months. Yeah, um, I think that's probably as comprehensive a roundup as we could have made it. Um, any other business? No, don't think. Well, just uh, Tony Mowbray talking about Marcelo, just because it's nice to hear. <laughs> yeah, that was nice. We'll just finish on that. That this season, I've often thought that Leeds United are a way out for opposition managers because if you lose to Leeds, well, it's Leeds United. They're really good. They're a great side, top side, expected to be up there. You know, you don't come to Ellen Road and and try and dominate and 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 we were in the game and it was tight, so it gives them a way out. Um, or if they get something, you know, we've come to Ellen Road and got something and it's a, it's, this is a big deal. Tony Mowbray went more down the personal route. I mean, he, he had his gripe with the penalty, fair enough. That, that was absolutely fine, no problem with that. He went down the personal route and gave what was a bit of a rare insight into the an actual personal relationship, or as much as a personal relationship as you can say, between an opposition manager and Marcelo Bielsa. You know, they spoke about something what that was I would love to know um, fairly recently it sounds like Mowbray thinks he's a, a nice humble hard working man he's not a sneaky cheat who's kind of who thinks he knows better than everyone yeah because that was obviously the wider maybe how it was portrayed the narrative yeah um, that was the Lampard love in wasn't it yeah when people kind of took took Frank's side on that um, so it it was quite nice to hear because we don't get to hear a lot of what I've always kind of enjoyed as a football journalist is, is when managers say, 
oh, I know so-and-so, you know, I know him from this time, or, 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 you, or you find out like a, a surprising connection between a manager and another manager, and you find out people who are friends that you thought would never be friends. I'd love to know who, if Bielsa ever rings up an opposition manager and, and you know, for whatever reason, I'd love, I'd love some insight on that. Um, so it was nice to hear Mowbray, you know, talk about that side. And we haven't had really anyone talk about Bielsa's personality or Bielsa as a human other than Leeds United folk, really. Yeah, I think, like you say, because opposition managers maybe see coming to Ellen Road especially as, as a free hit, don't they? So they always kind of just wheel out the, ah, well, yeah, but look how good they are, rather than, you know, they don't think they delve into anything else other than trying to cover their own backside. So, yeah, it was it was kind of just a bit refreshing, I think, to hear a manager maybe see through all the, I don't know what the best word is without swearing, but <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note... <laughs> yeah. Um, so we are planning to record again next week before the end of the international break. Uh, the 23s game, obviously, on Monday against Barnsley at Thor Barch. If you are in dire need of some actual live football for your let's eyeballs. Let's hope it's not a 7-1 again. Yes, let's hope it's not sure a 7 Well, you'll be back in place, so... I'm sure it won't be. Um, I'll, get, I'll be there to give the team talk this time, <laughs> like you. Who got there late. Um, yeah, mea culpa. Um, thanks very much for joining us. This has been the Inside Ellen Road podcast, episode 71.